0: Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman. We have a great show for you today. Uh, we are here with another repeat guest, um, so Sally Morgan. Uh, so welcome back, Sally. Um, hey, hello, are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here. It's. I'm so pleased that you invited me back because uh, I think I have a lot of information to share for people and their animals, and I'm very happy that you appreciate that as well.
0: Absolutely. So um, so Sally is a, a Tellington Touch or a T-Team, tea or tea, it's uh, abbreviated TT or T-Touch rather. Um, and Sally does holistic therapy for pets and people. Um, so, so Sally, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do.
1: I'm a holistic physical therapist located in the Northampton area, and I work with animals and their people. And I primarily started out working with horses and their people because I'm a nationally recognized dressage rider. And then as Tellington T-Touch work evolved in working more with small animals, my practice shifted and I became a physical therapist as a result of my experience with Tellington T-Touch. And so for the last 25 years, I've been doing uh, holistic physical therapy, primarily with companion animals and their people, but I still do work with horses as well. I'm also a Reiki practitioner for people and animals, and I do craniosacral therapy with people and animals, and I developed a course system for um, learning craniosacral therapy with your pets, and I do emotion code work, and I teach yoga, and I'm the author of an Amazon best-selling book called Dances of the Heart, Connecting with Animals.
0: You have an amazing resume. I love it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. So um, when you you say that you do holistic physical therapy, how how do you understand the holistic side of that? And how how is the holistic physical therapy different than uh, regular or more traditional types of physical therapy?
1: Um, Holistic work in general goes beyond, you know, just, you know, something going on with the body. It's a holistic approach, meaning it's the mind, the body, the physical, mental, emotional well-being, and the spiritual health of whatever you're working with. So it encompasses all aspects of the being, as opposed to just doing 25 exercises to help the knee after an ACL tear. We look at all the things that fed into that injury or trauma and release the trauma when you're doing a holistic work. Um, so you're really looking at, you know, emotional wellness as well as physical wellness, because so often. Physical injuries are a result of problems going on further removed from the body. You know, as you're probably familiar, so many injuries start in from our outer auric layers and come into our body gradually over time. And those can be a result of emotional trauma, spiritual trauma, um, and just difficulties in one's life. So, with holistic physical therapy, we can really look at um, every aspect of the being. And really bring wellness to the whole system of the dog or the horse and the person and even the whole family that the animal lives in.
0: So I I really appreciate some of the the Facebook videos that you've posted about T Touch uh, the Tellington Touch technique. Um, you have some you know like great. There was a, a video that I watched about um, how about fireworks and how pets respond to fireworks. And I know that my my cats run and hide. They're both super, super sensitive, one of them in particular. Um and you, the video was talking about some of the the shock points and some of the techniques that um, that you can do as a as a human companion to our little furry companions that can support um, the kind of calming them down, dealing with the really loud noises and the in the traumas. Um, this technique seems really really empowering for people, um, and I, I'd love to know a little bit more about um, about the why why it helps to um, to be able to kind of support people in in helping their household lives?
1: Well, our best example of how this all started um, back in the 80s when Linda was developing Tellington T-Touch work. And in fact, one of her very first demonstrations was held at Hampshire College with Moshe Feldenkrais, who she worked with for a few years. And later on, I was working with her in the mid to late 80s, and we had several trainings in New Hampshire. And one of the issues people with horses frequently have is how to get the horse in the trailer. And until you've ridden in a trailer, you don't even have a clue how much noise and rattling is going on in a particular trailer. It may look new and nice, but if it's not built well, it can be very frightening for the horses. So one thing we did, which Temple Grandin has also championed is putting herself in the position of an animal, we would take a ride in the trailer. But we had so many techniques to help horses understand how to get in the trailer and a lot of them incorporated many people. And as Linda used to say, you know, when you have 15 people standing around, everybody wants to help get the horse in the trailer. And there are people that do it in a really mean, uncourteous way. And there's a very upset owner who has to be somewhere and the horse won't go in the trailer. Um, And then you've got these other people that are trying to be helpful. So one of the techniques we use are you know five or six poles that we're holding and we kind of gradually make kind of a pen behind the horse sorry about my dog mm-hmm. <laughs> and we walk the poles in closer and closer and so the horse just gradually gets more comfortable and easily walks in the trailer and when we were first learning this everyone said oh my gosh you know where am i going to get 10 people at a horse show to help me load mm-hmm. my horse but in fact People need something to do. When a horse won't get in a trailer, everybody's anxiety is up and the horse is getting more and more nervous and it's very challenging. So early on in the work, um, it became a big principle for Linda that we empower um, the people that are with the animal to make changes that are helpful for the animal and to get help themselves because so often when something's, um, you know, when your animal's sore or hurt or injured or having a training issue, the person gets very emotionally involved and upset and we need to give them something to do that can be helpful to both them and the pet. And in fact, in Linda's book, um, Tea touch for Healthcare, I wrote a whole chapter about, um, and that's for humans, um, pe- to work on humans. I wrote a whole chapter on using tea touch for empowerment because if you have pain in your own knee, you can use tea touches to help alleviate that pain. And it takes you out of being a victim Um, and puts you in a position of power. So that's so important with our companion animals. I mean, T-Touch can not only help your dog be less stressed during a thunderstorm, but it can help keep you calm and it gives you something to do where you're really thinking and changing your relationship with the animal. So, you know, doing T-Touches for a variety of things like uh, seizures, problems in the car, you know, fear of loud noises, you know, your dog's worried about other dogs coming near him. Your dog's worried about strangers coming in the front door. Um, using tea touches in these uh, different circumstances can really help calm you and help you stay focused on all the things that you're doing to help your pet instead of just being in a panic and trying to remember stuff and not knowing what to do. Because these techniques are so profound and they work so effectively and they're so seemingly simple that really anyone can use them. So it's really... Um, it can really change people's relationships with their animals when they take a Tellington T Touch class, even if it's just a couple hours. So, Sally, tell us what what is T Touch? What is Tellington T Touch? Um, Linda Tellington is an internationally recognized animal expert, and she grew up in Canada in a family with a lot of children and. They were the famous riding hoods because their last name was Hood. And they used to do these demonstrations riding in a long line from the father on a tall horse down to the littlest child on a small pony um, where they did like synchrony riding. And Linda was an extremely talented horse rider from the beginning. Um, And then she married a man named Wentworth Tellington um, when she was young and he was much older and they started a a riding um, training facility in California years and years ago, and she did competitive endurance riding and was unbeaten for years and years with her Arabians. And they used a lot of um, Wentworth Tellington's cavalry experiences um, teaching people sort of drill team riding techniques as a way to improve your own riding skills. And if you've ever tried to ride even in a pairs class with someone, Um, it's so difficult to take two horses, even if they're matched in their stride and keep them right next to each other. It takes a tremendous amount of riding skills. So her students were quite successful and she made quite a name for herself. And she, uh, that marriage broke up and she was still riding and, you know, doing endurance riding and showing and things. And she uh, met someone else who introduced her to sort of spirituality and body work. And she ended up in a Feldenkrais class with Moshe Feldenkrais, and she decided to do the whole training over a period of a couple years. And in that first class, she was on the floor and she was thinking about this and her relationship with animals. And she thought, I need to find a way to do this with animals because I think that it would help them. And at that point, she was learning about non-habitual movement. And so some of the early things that we did with T-Touch were just like picking up a horse's hoof and making three or four circles each direction with the whole leg, um, moving the horse's face in a certain way, um, just rubbing your hand in a different way down his neck. And her grandfather um, had worked with racehorses in Russia, and he always won. He was very successful, and he was asked often... um, how he was so successful, and he said two things: I never run a horse unless he tells me he can win, and he does this kind of body work and massage with his horses. Which you know, many years ago, because Linda's eighty-four, people weren't even thinking about massaging animals. So she had all of this brewing in her mind, and she, uh, one of her early experiences, she was working with horses at a place in California while she was taking one of these trainings. And there was a mare they couldn't catch. And she went out to the farm after one of these classes. And they finally caught the mare. And she just rubbed her hands around her head and moved her ears and her mouth. And, you know, just really, I think, primarily mouth and ear work is what she did with her. And then the mare went back into the field. Well, the next day, the place called her because they couldn't believe it. The horse had come up to the fence and was waiting for people to be with her. So she saw this immediate profound change, and so from there she went on to develop, you know, what we now call T Touch. Over the years, it was for a long time called Team, which was Tellington Every Animal Method, because you were a team member with your horse. I mean, it's been—I've been with this work for 35 years, so I've seen it. Actually, 40 years now, I've seen it really evolving. So what it has evolved into is a specialized approach to the care and training of horses and our companion animals. And now also we use T-Touch with people, which in my role as a conventional physical therapist, I've been using T-Touch for years, particularly with great success for people after a stroke or with a neurologic problem, something like Lyme disease or you know a brain injury, things like that, because it's really good at um, reintegrating the right and left side of the brain and helping people coordinate how they move. And that translates over to what we do with animals as well. So T-Touch is, for some people, they just think it's a circular kind of body work, but there's so much more to it than that. Um, and we have basically four aspects of T-Touch. We have bodywork, we have what we call the playground for higher learning, which is a kind of an obstacle looking course to a beginner. Uh, we have different equipment we use. And then the fourth, and probably as you can appreciate as a Reiki person, um, intention is part of what we use with our work. And intention is, you know, remember your potential for perfection. And that way it's, we're not imposing, you know, an expectation when we say, remember the potential for perfection. So that applies, you know, no matter how hopeless something is seeming, um, from a person's perspective, maybe not from the animals, you are just reminding them of their potential for ideal function. And that is a huge shift. And that is a big aspect of all that we do with T-Touch.
0: Sally, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, a session looks like? What is what When somebody walks in or maybe you go to the the person's home or they come to you, um, okay. can you what, is, what does it all look like?
1: Uh, It's hard to say it precisely because I see so many different types of animals for so many different reasons. Um, I have many animals that come like let's say a very antique kitty in his little box and his person will come and the kitty may just lay in his box the whole time he's here um, as I work with him and he purrs and he sleeps and he might get up and have a little walk about and then goes back in the box and purrs and sleeps while I'm working with them. And I do see a fair number of animals that are quite senior or that are possibly crossing the rainbow bridge. Um, I also see a fair number of animals with behavior issues or training problems. So one common one I see is dogs that have uh, reactivity to other dogs. And so often there's something going on in that dog's body or a prior injury where he's super protective of his own body. And then he's been tumbled on the doggy playground or, you know, by some something else in his life, a human or even just like falling in the car. So now he has some pain in his body and that makes them super protective around other dogs. There's usually one of the things that comes from A Course in Miracles is that, you know, fear, um, that anger comes from fear and is a cry for help. And so when we see a dog like this, who's seemingly really angry and barking at other dogs and jumping at his leash, it's usually because they're really afraid. So then in that case, a session might include some body work with the animal, some explanation to the person, and then we go out in the yard or my kitchen, depending on the weather. And we'll work over some of the aspects of the playground for higher learning, the obstacle course that we use with T-Touch um, to help the dog feel comfortable in his body and really get a sense of balance. Animals that are not in physical balance are also not in emotional balance. So we try to get them in physical balance so that then they can make choices instead of reacting. So one of the primary things we'll use is a Tellington T-Touch labyrinth, which has like a 90-degree, 90 90-degree 90 turn at the end. It's like two interlocking capital letter Fs. And we go very slowly around those turns where the two capital Fs meet. And that can teach us a lot about the dog. Um, For instance, with horses that have problems with their stifles, you know, they won't be able to make that turn. They'll stick one leg in the ground behind and just pivot on that leg. And what we'd like to see is them marching around the turn, lifting one, two, three, four, each leg in turn. And with dogs, they often will just walk out or they'll start to, do one of the coping things that we see like fooling around or fidgeting or um, you know they might get into a fight flight response which is what we see with dogs that are not uh, good with other dogs so we'll do body work while they're in the labyrinth we'll work them over some of the equipment and then i might bring in a stuffed animal we do a lot of work with lifelike looking stuffed animals and just bring that animal Like when I was in the yard with a dog a couple of weeks ago, I had my stuffed dog probably 200 feet from the dog in the labyrinth, and he was an adopted dog, and the person didn't know him very well, and she wasn't sure how he was with other dogs. Well, he became absolutely terrified just seeing a stuffed dog standing on the lawn 200 feet away from him. So that gave us a lot of information about what's going on with that dog and how we need to build his confidence. Um, and then once, once he's good with the stuffed dog, we'll use a neutral other dog, a live dog, um, and walk that dog around the yard and closer and closer to the dog in the labyrinth so that he can see that he doesn't need to be frightened and he's not overfaced. So one of the other things we do with T-Touch is to always take things in what we call chunk down pieces so that if the dog is becoming upset um, with anything – but like in this case, the the dog is afraid of another dog's presence. If he's too afraid of that stuffed dog being 200 feet away, we'll back that stuffed dog up to 300 feet away until he's showing no signs of nervousness because we don't want to overface them. We want to gain their trust by showing them that we understand that they are afraid. Um, And that's a very different way of working with animals. I mean, a lot of people do things like habituation, but that's very different than really respecting them and watching what they do. So that's a very different kind of session than more of a body work based session um, where the animal is just in my office and he's not moving too much. Um, And, you know, I might be working with sometimes a person helping their dog not pull on a leash. That's another very popular thing that I do. And really with the T-Touch harness and the equipment we use for that, a dog can stop pulling on the leash forever in one session. Um, and a lot of that is education to the person because the dog and the person have been pulling on each other for some time by the time I meet them and helping the person stop pulling on the leash and have it just be a little bit limp so that the dog can find his own balance can be a big learning moment for the person. So in that case, the person's going to be going through the labyrinth with me and learning how to relax their hands on the leash so that the dog has the opportunity to stand in his own space. So sessions really vary with T-Touch. And a lot of times I will be doing T-Touch on the person so that they can understand what their dog is feeling Um, with the leash pulling dogs. So often the person's shoulder is just so sore from pulling on the dog that they can't really relax it. So they might get a little more body work on themselves before we start to put them back in the combination with their dog.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you you know it, it sounds like a lot of the um, the sovereignty of the the animal is being respected with that um you know I think even how you kind of mentioned oh like you know watching this per- this animal go through um you know adjustments so that they can choose to make A choice that's different than instead of just reacting you know it's kind of like allowing allowing the animal to like adjust and then make a different choice and I think people forget that it's like animals are in a lot of ways just like we are we're we're animals you know and we make choices all the time and just because that animals don't think and act the way that we do that you know, like they they shouldn't be judged the way that our animal nature works versus the way that their animal nature works. so it, it sounds like you are really trying to get to uh, understand how how their sovereignty and how their 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 animal nature is uh, respected,
1: yeah, we really everyone with a pet, no matter if it's a cat, a rabbit, a dog, a horse, you want a harmonious relationship with that animal. You want a close connection with that animal. And so much of traditional training for dogs and horses has been breaking down that relationship, which has left so many pet lovers frustrated, you know, and, and, and just not knowing what to do when they've got a dog with a behavior issue. And, you know, more and more people are getting dogs from shelters. And some of these dogs have had really bad experiences in their past and not really good handling. And a person who's just had dogs for their whole life and not really had any challenges can be really concerned with a dog that has issues that they are not familiar with. And, you know, T-Touch is so supportive for the person um, to, to you know, embrace them for their, their challenges that they're coping with with their pet and help them understand the pet. Um, you know, because when somebody's got a dog who's, let's say, not very good with other people, you know, it really takes some of the social aspects of pet <laughs> caring <laughs> out of your whole relationships with other pet lovers and so it can be really difficult for that person emotionally. And with T-Touch, you, know, you can really find some ways that your dog can be with other people and dogs in a way that's not overfacing them and that's safe for you in them. And that's you know, very, very um, empowering and rewarding for the person um, who has an animal who has some problems. Um, and it's a huge aspect of T-Touch that we really view the animals as equals and really as our teachers. And whenever we have a class in particular, I've had um, 60 classes with Linda over my lifetime with her. And she always emphasizes that the animals are our teachers and that we are here to learn from them. And that the people that bring the animals to the classes are also our teachers because we're learning, you know, about their experience and their frustrations or what went well for them. And we really help people see their animal in a new light. You know, in the early days, People would come to a class like I did with my horse, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to explain my horse and say all the things that he's done right and all the problems I've had with him. We don't do that anymore. You know, we look at the dog, we look at the person, and we see what you know his habit in the past has been to pull on the leash, and then we reframe everything because until the person can see that their dog is not a leash puller anymore, it's really hard for the dog to change. So we have to really work at the heart of the problem between the the person and the dog and not just, you know, take the dog and I can get the dog to stop pulling in about two seconds. But if I don't train the person how to do it and that the dog is no longer pulling because now he's balanced, um, I haven't accomplished, you know, very much for the person. So we want to work with them as a pair and respect them as a unit and really see the, um, uh, the, the animal is a sentient being who has his own um, issues in his life. And, you know, our relationships with them are really about them explaining to us things. It's, you know, I often think about my niece who has a new baby. And the baby's only way of communicating right now is to cry. So she's crying when she's hungry, tired, wants to be held, wants to be put down, needs her diaper trained. And now my niece is gradually learning what each of those things mean. And it's no different than how we are with our pets. Anyone who's had a pet can tell you that their cat has five different meows and different things that they do to say, I want dinner. I want a treat. My box is dirty. I don't like where that other cat is. And so much of companion animal life is Helping people understand the language of their animals, and that's what T touch is so valuable for.
0: Absolutely, my cat has a um, an alarm clock purr uh, because <laughs> uh, my cat is helps me wake up usually around like seven, anywhere between seven fifteen and seven forty five, and he comes right over and he does not stop purring until I get up, and it's a very specific purr. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. so
1: nice to wake to a gentle purr instead of a loud meow with the food dish being thrown around the kitchen. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, sometimes he's changed his strategy
0: where he just goes and meows really loudly at the door, so I actually have to like get out of bed. So he he switches up his strategy for that. But yeah, it's it. He has his own way of communicating, and it's very much specific to like that time frame to helping me get out of bed. And I ask him, I tell him, can I sleep in tomorrow morning? I like to eight thirty tomorrow, I'm okay? I don't have to get up for anything. And he usually respects that you know he like you when we have that kind of like dialogue even if it's just me verbally telling him that it's like we have that rapport he knows that no matter what at that time at that time I will get up and feed them because that's part of the routine um, but if I go back to bed you know he'll, he'll kind of acknowledge in his own way that that's also
1: time so yeah so there's one of the things we do with t-touch like you with your cat is make sure that we always talk to animals in a full sentence And that we always say please and thank you. And that makes such a big difference. When I say to my dog, could you please come over this way and stand next to me and sit quietly, they nearly always will do it. And Linda says part of it, she believes, is because we're making a clear picture in our mind of what we want them to do. And if you have a barking dog and you just keep yelling, you know, shut up, dogs don't understand that. And so commonly now we hear that no bark, no bark. Dogs don't know what that means. So we, it, But if you say to them, I'd like you to be quiet now, please. Thank you for letting me know the mail is here. You get a whole different response from your dog. And and that goes for every animal. And And we always say thank you to them. I mean, why wouldn't we? Um, there's a famous study, well, study experiment, a one day thing that a dog trainer named Victoria Stillwell did where she talked to her um, employees all day the way that we talk to dogs come, sit, stay. Never said thank you, never said please. And at the end of the day, a couple people quit, and one person said, Why are you so mad at me today? <laughs> she realized that, you know, what a disservice we do to dogs by not speaking to them with a courteous and polite you know, professionalism that we use with our coworkers. So why not say, I'd like you to do this. And earlier today, I don't know what was going on, but I just said to my dog on the next commercial, I'll get up and you can have another treat. And he just sat there and I forgot about it. And he got up and he went and sat in the kitchen at the commercial and I was like, oh right. We, we made treat- that
0: promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I know it's so different when you like treat them like they understand you. I remember I went on a date with this guy and he was like telling I mean, I was like, you know, we were it was like a second or third date or something and he was um he, you know, you know how like affectionately people call their dog like dum-dums or idiots, or say these kind of like kind of things that you wouldn't say to like a human child. And he was like, "Yo, oh, he doesn't d- understand what I mean." And I was like, "But what if he does?" Like in my mind, I was like, "I'm never going to go on another date with this person," you know, just because Absolutely of the way that he do understand.
1: He and, totally and didn't
0: it, even respect his. I mean, I know he respected his dog, but like there was sort of just like such a lack of communication in in the way he that really he described. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: whole way that people are in the world with animals. I mean, they just don't know. I mean, so much of it is lack of information. And they keep telling people thank God that people who have a master's degree in sociology or a PhD in human psychology are now studying animals. And that, you know, like, One of the most important things we've learned about dogs lately is um, Chaser the Border Collie who knows over 2000 words that was taught to her by her father, a retired psychology professor at a small college in the Southeast. And he knew how to train a child. He knew a lot about language acquisition and he knew some of the prior studies with um, gorillas and parrots teaching them words. And he knew that he could teach his dog all these words. And it was so hard for him to get the first publication in the literature because people just didn't believe dogs could do it and you know he was so careful in his research to set up double blind and any person could ask the dog to do things and he would be out of the room and you know they have this whole thing called the clever hans effect where a horse was um seeming to do math but he was really picking up on very subtle cues from his owner about when he was getting to the right answer and you know nobody really looks at clever hans and says how smart was that horse to notice his person's breathing and how it sped up as he got closer to the correct answer, you know, (laughs) but anyway, that's been haunting the world of animals, animal training and psychology for years. And so he was careful to eliminate all that. And, you know, now, you know, his first book came out many years ago, 10 years ago now, and the dog is well known and has been on TV and things and thanks to people like him and not people who are veterinarians and animal behaviorists, you know, we're able to just throw out the window, anything we thought of animals and study them in a whole new way. And we're, I mean, there's a recent book called, are we smart enough to know how smart animals are? And <laughs> the answer is I don't think so. it So much to give us. And yeah. someone like your friend there just is so misinformed about animals. I mean, they do, know what words mean. And they do know, and like when you say dumb, you know, you might think of Dumbo, or you might think of Dopey the Seven Dwarfs, but you're not thinking of, you know, Einstein, and that's going to have an impact on your dog. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, it also to, to allow that these animals understand us would also, um, and to, to recognize their own consciousness and their own sovereignty would have effects on how we behave. You know, it it would to to fully to publish, to acknowledge these kind of things would have consequences in theory, right, to our That's own right. actions in the way that we want to live our world. So sometimes, you know, to just say that doesn't exist is is staying is staying small or staying, you know, not not making any any necessary
1: changes. Um, I think it was Gandhi who said you can tell the um how people treat each other in a culture by looking at how they treat their animals and you'll know how successful they are by how they treat their animals. Yep. And so we're, you know, they really are our responsibility um, especially the ones we bring into our homes. Um, and it's so important that we meet their needs on their level um, and not try to impose our will on them in ways that they can't, they can't adjust to what we want.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so Sally, can you tell us a little bit about what some of these these harnesses um that you were kind of mentioning that allow dogs to regain their balance uh from having kind of developed that that pulling relationship from from walking with their person uh can you tell us a little bit what, what those harnesses are are all about
1: sure um touch you know as I said before, we have four aspects of t touch the playground for higher learning, which we talked a little bit about with the labyrinth, the actual body work um the intention to remember your potential for perfection, and then also equipment. So in the horse world, that is a whole variety of different bridles and lead lines. And um, one thing we use for dogs and horses are ace wraps. And you can think about that in the way that um, Temple Grandin described liking a hug to help her feel herself when she was upset. But we use these wraps on uh, dogs and horses in a whole different way to give them a sense of their body, to change their proprioception, help them know where they are in space. And so from our use with uh, the wraps, (laughs) we started to look at and develop um, our own harness for dogs. For many years, we used um, a harness from a particular company that is no longer made the way it originally was. And I saw one of the very original ones. I have a a middle level of this kind of harness. And boy, it was really different from what they're made like now. Um, And from that harness, we were still having problems. Um, The dog was not in balance. We were using head collars on them, like little halters like you'd see on a horse. We were putting them on dogs. And everyone's now familiar with the gentle leader. We had halties developed way before that. Um, Because we thought if we could influence the dog's head to have him turn towards us, then we would have them not be so fixated on barking at the mailman across the street or something. So from there, we decided that what we needed really was to have some better way to influence the whole dog because we're really looking at posture and balance. And so the harness we use now is a kind of an H harness. So the shoulder is completely free. There is nothing impacting the scapula at all. And those original harnesses we were using had a band that came right across the scapula. And this is a huge problem with many types of harnesses these days is that the dog's shoulder can't move freely. So our harness sits a little further back from the elbow as well. So the dog has plenty of freedom to move his whole front leg. And then it sits a little lower on their neck so it's not coming over any of the tissues that can be harmed by pulling on a collar for instance and then most importantly our harness comes with a leash which has um, a clip on both ends and then a sliding handle in the middle so the harness will attach to the front of the leash the leash will attach to the front of the harness and also on the top of the dog's back so now you can hold the dog in two hands And with with this, it, first of all, makes you stand more in balance. So if you've got a person who's been sort of, um, you know, following along like a skier on a a boat (laughs) behind their dog, now they're next to their dog and they're holding the leash in two hands. And it helps the person breathe. Breathing is a big part of what we do with T-Touch, noticing your breathing, noticing your dog's breathing, changing your posture to be more relaxed. So now you've got the dog in these two hands, and as soon as the dog pulls, you have a way to rebalance them. We just give them a signal, depending on the situation, on on the back of the harness usually, and then follow up with the front of the harness to bring the dog into balance and ask him to wait. And it's just remarkable how effective um, these harnesses are for helping dogs that pull. There was a dog I worked with recently Well, recently, I think it's been two years now, she was a terrible puller and they were using a popular type of harness that the vet and the so-called trainer had recommended. And the dog was young and bouncy and exuberant and needed lots of walks, but it was terrible. She just was impossible to walk. And if she was getting to the point where she would go in her crate with her butt facing out and wouldn't even let them put the harness on her because she did not want to go with them because it was just such an ordeal for everybody. So she didn't even think I'd be able to get this new harness on the dog. I met the person in a parking lot somewhere, um, sat in the back seat, the door open for about 10 seconds, had our harness on the dog in just seconds because it undoes everywhere. You can take the neck off and all the way around the middle. Everything's adjustable. and had it on the dog in a, just a second. Um, adjusted it to her size. Also, very quickly, it didn't take much and brought her out and walked her around and she never tried to pull i mean she just stayed right next to me so even just the proximity of walking next to your dog instead of having them trot in front of you makes such a difference in their balance and our harnesses really help achieve that Um, but they also give the dog real freedom of movement so the harnesses are really important and just a little side note from our work with wraps Somebody was watching how we work with wraps, and um, I think other people have stolen this idea from us, but that's how the guy that developed the Thunder Shirt developed the Thunder Shirt from watching what we did with wraps. And so the Thunder Shirt is really derived from T-Touch wraps. And um, you mentioned earlier, working on the animal's ears in one of my videos about thunder and lightning, using a T-Touch wrap can also help calm a dog during a thunderstorm uh, with loud noises. Yeah, that's,
0: that's really cool. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of however things kind of, if, if something is good and useful, let it let it spread, let it evolve. And when whatever directions, the more more these things are are spread, the better, in my opinion. Um, how? Um, So can you tell us a little bit about if someone's at home and they're listening um, and, you know, they have an animal who either pulls on the lead or is really dealing with a lot of um, fear in their body? You know, we we all have animals that that are super, super sensitive. And um, do you have any kind of techniques that people can practice at home that you can describe to us from radio land uh, as best as you can
1: verbally? Um, if you're not driving, put one hand over your heart and then put the other hand on top of that hand. And this is how you do a lot of the circular key touches So you're going to imagine a, the face of a clock under your hands with the six towards the floor. And you're going to push the skin through your shirt with your two hands all the way around the face of that clock from the six all the way around to the 12, back around to the three, back to the six. And then that little quarter of a circle back up to the nine after you've passed the six. And then you release. And you do that taking a breath in as you're going up and around that clock face. And you're really imagining the numbers on the clock as you go because that engages your right brain. And come back up to that nine. And that is what we call a heart hug. Heart hugs have been shown to increase what we call heart coherence, which has been documented by the HeartMath Institute, because it's going to get your breathing and your body's rhythms in sync with your dogs when you do this, because it really calms you down to do these heart hugs. It's really good for your own anxiety, um, and it's really good for your pet. So you can do the same heart hug on your dog by just, or your cat or your bunny, by just putting your hand on the animal's chest and imagining that face of a clock with the six towards the floor, and just make your hand go in a circle and a quarter around that clock, pushing the skin gently under your hands, back to the nine, and then releasing. So that's, you know, all a lot of the tea touches are circle and a quarter based on that idea of seeing the face of a clock. And as I mentioned, that engages your right brain because you're imagining the numbers. And one of the things we've learned about tea touch uh, through using um, a mind mirror, which is a kind of Um, piece of equipment where you put little um, sticky electrodes on your head and see what your mind is doing (laughs) in your brain while you're experiencing different things. And what we found is that all of the brain waves are activated equally in both sides of the brain, the right and left hemisphere for beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves in the animal and the person while you're involved doing the circular T-touches, also in the corners of the labyrinth. And for a long time, we didn't even know animals had beta and alpha waves, which are, you know, for logical thinking, who would have thought an an animal would have beta waves. But this um, research that uh, Anna Wise did in like 1982 uh, with Linda um, is really fascinating. So doing that circular touch, um, and this is why it's so effective for somebody after a stroke to do this work, because it engages the right and left hemisphere of the brain equally in all four of these brain waves. And so it can help the right body, can teach the left body information that it may have lost as a result of a stroke. So a lot of people like me who have been doing T-touch since 1981 become ambidextrous because you end up doing the touches with your right hand and your left hand, and you you just use both sides of your brain so often doing the work that um, your right and left side become almost equal. So the hard hug is a good thing you can do with your pet at home. And the other thing you can do is go to my YouTube channel, which is Conversations with a Corgi. And as um, Caroline mentioned earlier in the show, there's probably 620 episodes there now on YouTube, but numbers like 15 to about 45 are all about T-Touch. And there is a video for every single one of the Tellington T-Touches, and then many on the different kinds of equipment and different ways we use the wraps and um, some information about the confidence course so you can go there and just practice with your pet um, and you know or on yourself or on your child or someone else in your household and then my book um, dances of the heart connecting with animals um, one of my friends read my book and she said i learned t-touch from your book and i said really that wasn't part of the book to teach t-touch and i said show me what you're doing and she was doing beautiful tea touches on herself and her cat just from reading um, in my book some of the, the conversations that I had reported about Linda working with me at different clinics with my horse when I was first learning T-Touch. So you have many resources. And then the T-Touch people have a website, tea touch.com You can go there. Um, there's videos and classes everywhere. So you can learn from so many resources um, about T-Touch for you and your animals. And we have people that specialize in llamas and um, every every kind of animal.
0: Now, our does the uh, the tea touch techniques? Do they go from one animal to the next to the humans? Like all systems are, are pretty similar for for these. Uh, like how I mean, is there? are there adaptations for a bird versus for a horse versus for our children? Um, or are they pretty much in sync We're with each all other?
1: Pretty much the same. Although you mentioned birds and birds are a little bit different. Um, we often do T touches on the bird with one of their feathers, but a lot of birds are pretty playful and try to grab the feather. Um, so you have a different way to approach them. They might be on their perch and you just kind of sneak your hand up and do a little circle on their toes. Um, And we might not use wraps on birds the same way we do with another animal. You know, you might just use a wrap a little bit on a bird's chest to change his posture a little bit, but, you know, just like kind of put it around him and lift him a little, but we wouldn't, well, not even lift, support, um, support him a little, but, you know, we wouldn't be putting wraps on a bird the same way we would with a horse, but really um, from the T-Touch perspective, all animals are equal. And so, with every single animal, they're a unique individual, no matter what species they are. So we try to do what that animal needs, like what is going to help that animal? What do we know that can be a benefit in this circumstance for this dog this day? If I am, you know, for instance, at a parade and I'm sitting next to a dog who's really nervous and the people didn't have any idea this was going to be a problem, and I don't have wraps on me. I'm going to show the person how to do touches on the animal's ears. And maybe the person has a sweatshirt tied around their waist that we can put on the dog and create sort of a thunder shirt to help calm him down.
0: And are a lot of these techniques day-to-day
1: or more when there's a, an imbalance happening? So many people use tea touches every day with their pets when they're sitting on the sofa in the evenings and relaxing or like you in the morning when your cat's with you just doing a few of these little circular touches around their ears and then running your hands. We have a technique called Noah's March where you just all of the tea touches are named after animals because Linda, as I said, looks at animals as our teachers. And in the beginning, they didn't have names of animals and it was really hard to remember them. And that was only important because we couldn't really talk about what we did if we didn't have a name that we could remember. So Noah's March is one of the touches and that's where you just run your hands slightly over the body down to each of the feet and the tail um, and the ears and connect the animal to the earth. So even if you only do three T-touches, three little circles, like the hard hog on them, like I just explained, around their ears and run your hands over their body, they get the benefit of that information from that one little circle um, throughout their body. So a lot of people just spend five minutes a day working on their animal. A lot of the people learning T-touch will say, all right, today I'm going to do just clouded leopard with my pet, and I'm going to do it on my dog and my cat and just see what happens. And then tomorrow, they might watch my next video on lying leopard, and they'll try that with their animal around their child and see what happens. So, you know, these tea touch it works on the nervous system. It's very much like craniosacral in that way and very different from massage, and it's a very light kind of touch generally. Um, and it's it makes a big change in the nervous system because it's not invasive. It doesn't engage the body's defense mechanisms in any way. And it really, to do it well, you're really thinking while you're doing it. So it really calms you as well and creates that connection between you and the animal. And we frequently talk about that idea of heart coherence where you and the animal are really in synchrony with each other. Um, And T-Touch really promotes that both from our philosophy of animals being sentient beings and unique individuals and, you know, deserving our respect and seeing, you know, looking at them to see what they're teaching us, but also from just the work that we do with them.
0: That's great. Do you, um, Sally, do you have any, any events coming up or uh, virtual or otherwise? Like what's, what's going
1: on in, in life for you guys? Um, I'm developing an online craniosacral class for animals and I've already done the first section of that if people are interested they can still join um, and I can send them that class Um, and we're going to do the next round in a couple of weeks at some point um, when I've got you know probably 15 people in the group at this point so I'm just kind of figuring out how far we'll go because I won't have an animal with them to do live. So I just have to adjust some things for that. Um, But so there's that going on. And um, if people join the T-Touch community, which is an online Facebook group, um, I've done three videos for them about the central nervous system and its anatomy and how um, T-Touch affects the spinal cord and the brain. Um, And I am hoping to do a, Podcast that will be my book in an audio form um, at some point soon.
0: Great, and uh, we just have a, a few moments left of the show. But do you have any any last words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe?
1: I think the most important thing that I can urge people to do is to listen to their animals. Animals are trying so hard to speak to us, and we hear some of their voices, but not all of them. And you know, for a long time, people were talking about being a horse whisperer or whatever. But what we really need to be is animal listeners. And, you know, animals are not that different from us. You know, wild animals are animals in our households, even other humans. Um, you just have to really listen with your whole mind, body and spirit. And you'll see so much richness in the creatures that share the planet with us. Um And there's, like I said, lots more information about these things on YouTube, on my Conversations with a Corgi, and my website, sallymorganpt.com. There's lots of information there, many articles, including my TED Talk, which is about connecting with animals. Um, And then my Facebook page is sallymorganptcst, which is Physical Therapist, Craniosacral Therapist, and that's where I do Facebook Live several times a week. Um, that eventually go to Conversations with a Corgi on YouTube.
0: Amazing. People can
1: ask questions
0: there. Great. So we're just running out of time. Um, So thank you so much, Sally. Um, And, uh, if anyone w- wants to listen to this uh, interview or any other past interviews, you can always go to northampton.com backslash radio archives and catch the replay. Um, so thank you, uh, Sally. You can stay on the line. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we are going to close out. Actually, we're probably just going to switch right over. Um, so have a great weekend, everyone, and be well. Thank you
1: very much, Carolyn.